the week in doubt, religious news stories from a skeptical perspective, random musings on everything from pop culture to politics, and even audio documentaries on weird and interesting topics like Krampus and the history of the holidays. The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, the host of The Week in Doubt, and this is episode 326. I don't want to risk bringing everyone down, so I'll try to just quickly plow through the negative personal stuff before we get started. My health's been uh, a bit shite of late, shall we say. Uh, Don't worry, nothing too serious, just an amalgam of several bothersome conditions. My old reoccurring foot problem is acting up, so I have to wear this this big stupid boot thing for at least two weeks. And also, um, I probably picked the wrong time to try this, I'm attempting to taper off of antidepressants again, and already my migraines are creeping back, so the past few days I've been plagued with headaches and nausea, just a general lack of well-being. Uh, there were a few different episodes I've been working on, but after my health went south, unintentional off-rhyme there, I wasn't even sure I'd be able to get the main episode out this week, but I decided to soldier on, you know me. But getting off my ass and forcing myself to do something productive usually ends up making me feel better anyway, you know? And for those of you who are maybe new to the show and haven't heard me complain about it ad nauseum, no pun intended, I've been wrestling with chronic headaches since my early 20s, and the only thing that's ever seemed to give me a relief are antidepressants, specifically SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Uh, It probably boils down to serotonin and pain perception, something like that. Originally, I wanted to publish a main episode this week, Not an episode about, like, Maine the state. Uh, You know what I'm saying. And then it has a a kind of bonus episode. I was going to do a review of this horrible horror movie called The Prodigy that I watched recently. Uh, It had a lot of buzz surrounding it, and I thought it might be decent, but man, it had this absurd plot that has to do with reincarnation. And as a skeptic, I just kept rolling my eyes. I love horror movies, and if a movie's good enough, uh, I can suspend my disbelief usually. But this was a special kind of garbage. At the heart of the movie was this idea that this kid was a serial killer reincarnated, and the serial killer's soul was trying to take the boy over, and if they didn't do something about it, he'd be lost forever. And I'm thinking, wait, if it's reincarnation, there should just be one soul in there, right? What they're describing sounds more like possession. And then there's this detail where the serial killer had two different colored eyes. And so does the kid also has two different colored eyes. And yet, they clearly establish at the beginning of the movie that the serial killer died as the kid was being born. And wouldn't the kid's eye color already have been genetically determined in utero or whatever. So like the kid's eyes just magically changed to match the serial killers the moment he was taken over or whatever. And then 
Uh, Matthew Sharn Weber, friend, listener, Patreon supporter, you may want to cover your ears. I was also going to do a review of the final episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, I know Matthew's not too keen on the thrones. There's a couple of reasons why I decided for the time being not to do the Game of Thrones review. On the one hand, as I was saying, I just wasn't feeling up to it health-wise. And secondly, YouTube is absolutely inundated with reviews of the final episode. Many of them making the same exact points I was planning on making. And I think that should tell you something. If you have loads of people all pointing out the same weaknesses and flaws, maybe there really are weaknesses and flaws. I think the last two seasons, especially season eight, um, the final season that just went by, were just way too rushed. At first, I didn't mind. It was kind of fun and exciting to not have to wait as long between reveals. But when they started speeding through Daenerys' story arc slash character development, if there was any, I thought things just really started to fall apart. Supposedly, HBO had offered the writers up to 10 seasons, but they, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, thought they could wrap things up in just eight seasons. The accusation repeated online, uh, which seems fairly valid as far as I can tell, is that the two aforementioned writers slash showrunners were offered the chance to work on a Star Wars project and were really eager to move on, so they really rushed the pace of the storytelling. And to me, the final two or maybe three episodes just felt really off. And so I believe I just said I was holding off on the review, but I should just be honest with myself and you guys. Uh, this essentially is going to be a review or kind of a mini one. The John Daenerys romance seemed so rushed and forced that I just wasn't really buying it. Then they turned Daenerys from this confident conqueror to uh, the mopey, awkward girl at the party sitting alone with a Starbucks cup, I might add. Then suddenly she's genocidal, burning innocent civilians after the enemy surrenders. I probably could have accepted the Daenerys' as Mad Queen storyline if they had maybe dragged her downward spiral out over 10 episodes. But that sudden rushed heel turn just felt really off. And then, spoiler alert, uh, John killing Daenerys. I know it's Game of Thrones where any character can die at any time and the characters are morally complex, etc., but damn, you gotta sell me on it. It all seems strangely forced. I'm still trying to figure out why Daenerys spent so much time near the gates of King's Landing, mowing people down street by street with dragon fire, when she could have just made a beeline straight to the Red Keep after taking out um, the city's defenses. Bizarre. Then what the hell was with the second half of the finale? That cringy joke about how maybe they should go from a monarchy to a democracy? That corny wink and nod at the audience that practically broke the fourth wall? Um, the other corny joke about Tyrion not being included in the book? Uh, I get the laugh they were going for, but logically it makes no sense. Tyrion's from a noble house, closely connected to all these important characters, uh, a part of so many uh, pivotal events, and he's not mentioned. 
the whole idea of Tarion, who's a uh, a prisoner in chains, getting to dictate or suggest a complete change of go- of government after being told not to talk, mind you, uh, the whole thing was wacky. And then when they're choosing a new king, not even a single mention that John is the rightful heir to the throne. Well, metaphorically at least, since the dragon kind of uh, melted it. Uh, but enough nerding out. My apologies to my listeners who couldn't give a shit less about uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, and I haven't done the Facebook shoutouts yet, and I'll probably wait till next week because there's just too many to read and I don't know where to start right now. The number of Facebook likes pretty much doubled overnight. I have no idea what's going on. I'm thankful, though. It's pretty awesome. I don't know if someone with a large audience or soapbox gave me a shout-out or recommended the show or what, Uh, but why look the proverbial gift horse in the mouth? Uh, Thank you, everyone who liked the page. But let's now move on to something uh, a little more on topic, something for my uh, staunch atheist listeners. So a relatively recent Stefan Molyneux, or Stefan Molyneux, uh, however you pronounce it, Malamu, uh, tweet came to my attention. I believe it's dated to the 20th of this month, so not too long ago. And if you're not familiar with Stefan Malamu, he's a bit of a controversial figure, been around for years. He used to openly identify as an atheist. I'm not sure if he still does. Uh, As we'll see from his tweet, nowadays he seems more likely to criticize atheists than to self-identify as one. Fancies himself a philosopher, a libertarian. It's funny, back in the day he was in the news, and this is how I first heard of him, because he was being accused of running an atheist cult. He hosts something called Free Domain Radio, and um, he had, probably still has, a lot of really devout young followers, and he was criticized in the media for advocating something called defooing. Uh, foo, F-O-O, standing for family of origin. So defooing basically means severing ties with your family. And I guess in fairness to him, it seems this was something he advised to young adults who are stuck in toxic relationships with family members. Not something he advised wholesale for everyone uh, because he was trying to recruit cult members or whatever. But still, many people, including mental health professionals, found this uh, somewhat troubling. My curiosity was piqued, and so I started checking out his YouTube channel. At first, I was like, oh, this guy's not so bad. He seems pretty intelligent and well-spoken. I thought a number of his arguments seemed to make sense. And I even really liked some of uh, the videos in his quote-unquote The Truth About series, especially the ones on historical figures like George Washington, etc., Then I noticed he seemed to be drifting further right and talking less and less about atheism unless he was pausing to criticize it. He seemed to have really jumped aboard the anti-SJW train, or should I say anti-SJW slash pro-Trump train. He staunchly supported Trump during the lead-up to the last presidential election, repeatedly had pro-Trump freaks and lackeys like Roger Stone and Mike Cernovich on his show. Uh, It just totally turned me off. Uh, I don't even watch his channel for the train wreck factor anymore. And so here's that aforementioned tweet that he published back on the 20th. Atheists are 700% more likely to favor big government, Democrat, over small government, conservative. 
Government rushes in to fill the void left by God. Atheism is dangerous because Christianity is voluntary, but the government is not. N-O-T, all caps. And so where do I even start? I guess I'll start with the Christianity being voluntary thing. I was raised in a fairly devout Roman Catholic household. Believe me, Christianity wasn't voluntary. Belief in God, fear of hell, all the neurotic hocus-pocus and superstition, um, it's all drilled into you at a very early age. I wouldn't call childhood indoctrination voluntary. Sure, I guess technically you're free to try to break the chains of indoctrination later, uh, but that's often a long and harrowing task. As far as atheists tending to lean left, yeah, from my own experience in the polls I've read, that's probably true. But so what? Shouldn't the important thing be what is or what's likely to be empirically true? The merit of the atheist worldview, the fact that the various religions of the world and their supernatural faith claims appear to be uh, quite obviously man-made. What is he hoping to achieve by seemingly denouncing atheism or labeling it as quote-unquote dangerous? As I already stated, he's right about atheist or secular types tending to lean left, but I'm sure he must be aware that there are also conservative and libertarian atheists. Hell, he himself used to be, or still is for all I know, a libertarian atheist. Why is atheism all right for him, but not the masses? Uh, what is he suggesting? That atheism is too dangerous for the rest of us? That we should all become good little God-fearers and conform to some religious right, pull yourself up by your own bootstrap, small government fantasy? The whole thing regarding his ominous proclamation that government rushes in to fill the deep, throbbing hole left by God, I added some of those, some of those adjectives. I find that particularly vexing or irksome. I'll take government tempered with humanity and reason over a superstitious theocracy any day. Okay, so that was my Molyneux rant. Now let's move on to uh, face mites. It's a thing, I swear. This article is from Live Science, and it's probably one of the most disturbing yet simultaneously amusing headlines I've ever read. Face mites live in your pores, eat your grease, and mate on your face while you sleep. <laughs> this is dated May 22nd, and it's by Brandon Spector. And there's a very interesting yet terrifying uh, picture here. Demodex mites burrow face first inside the pores at the bottom of your hair follicles. Shown here, a scanning electron micrograph of such mites protruding from a dissected human hair follicle. And there's like three or four of these things sticking out of a follicle. And they look like uh, microscopic versions of those giant sandworms or whatever they are from, uh, from Dune. A cross between that and some kind of ribbed adult toy. Uh, terrifying. And so uh, the article goes on, Don't freak out, but you probably have a few dozen arachnids grinding up on the tiny shafts of hair lodged inside your face, quietly gorging themselves on your natural oils. Okay, you can freak out if you want, but there's nothing wrong with you. These tick-like arachnids are known as face mites. And according to a skin-tingling... Skin, yeah, skin-tingling. I've never heard that phrase before. Probably a play on spine-tingling. 
a skin-tingling new video created by the folks at KQED San Francisco. They live a peaceful life buried in the facial pores of most human adults. The mites are not found on babies, and they are thought to be transmitted through motherly contact. These creepy crawlies are eight-legged, mostly transparent and microscopic in size. They live near the roots of facial hair follicles on both men and women, hidden away inside your pores. It's just simultaneously really nasty and really fascinating. I just felt compelled to uh, include that in this, uh, this week's episode. And I know for some people, thinking about that kind of thing can be really disturbing, uh, but reminds me of, uh, you know, I'm a big Northern Exposure fan, and it uh, reminds me of this episode well, I think it was the character Maggie uh, Maggie O'Connell was obsessing on all these, you know, bacteria and microscopic creatures <laughs> crawling around on us, on our pillows, beds, all that type of stuff. And um, as one of my favorite characters, Chris Stevens says, uh, he says something like, when life hands you mud, make mud pies or, or something like that. And he was making the life-affirming point that basically, don't be afraid to get dirty. It's it's just part of doing business on planet Earth. Kind of uh, em- embrace the knowledge that there's all this funky stuff out there and-, and still just enjoy and live your life. But I guess with that, I'll call this episode a wrap. Hopefully I didn't give you uh, nightmares with that last story. You guys know the drill. Uh, please like the Facebook page. And man, did you guys come through with that one. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you want to support the show monetarily, uh, you can use the PayPal widget, the bottom of the Podbean page. There's all that alliteration. Uh, or you can go to patreon.com slash doubt and help support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time.